those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry-free. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. Dick Johnson from DJ Art, and you're on Inside Supercar. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're off on a, not a big tangent, but we're off slightly on a tangent. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock, and we're talking with Ryan Sanderson of a number of companies, FX Global, AME Management, that we knew him in, and uh, the companies that he's involved in have been doing some amazing things in recent times. Most of our listeners would know his work best in uh, Inside Line and uh, Supercars, um, the work he's done there in producing content for supercars.com so ryan welcome on board good to have you back on the show thanks tony thanks craig yeah i'm excited to catch up with you both being obviously uh, an amazing development the way in which uh, fx global the business has now become a, a new entity in itself tell us about your background as to how you got to where you are now on that yeah thank you so um, my first sort of career move, I guess, out after university was to work with V8 Supercars. So I, I worked for V8s for close to five years. I started in the events um, division of the business under Shane Howard, who was our, our boss at the time, and then um, transitioned over into sponsorship and finished up. I sort of worked the majority of my time in sponsorship. Um, and at the time, I, I was a sponsorship manager for the most part of my, my time in supercars, close to nearly three years. And um, between Ben Bartlett and I, we managed 20 of the championship partners and it was an annual spend with the with the business of $22 million. So we managed that portfolio and Luke Wilson at the time was working with SEL and he was responsible for, for securing new business and, and then Ben Bartlett and I um, were managing obviously all the partnerships and and the rollout of all of those partnerships back then. Uh, so to clarify, sorry, that was, that was we finished up um, I finished up 2012, so so those years were 2010, 2011, and into 2012. That's quite some years ago. Still now, here we are in 22. Um, so then you became involved, and as AME is both an event and also a video production house. Yeah, so I, I left Supercars and and um, I did a very short stint with Speed Cafe and Bayer Media with. Um, Brett Murray and the team and I did three months there and then Adam Bailey and I had been talking for some time and, and we actually needed to secure Australian water ski racing contract at the time in 2012 before we could start our business together, AME Management. So the business started out doing event management. We, we managed the Australian Water Ski Racing Championship um, back then in 2012 and then we, we obviously... Um, Predominantly, we're based in motorsport, given my supercars background and Adam's extensive uh, motocross and, and sort of action sports background. He'd managed a lot of freestyle motocross athletes and the like in, in the early years. And he actually brokered Rockstar Energy to Holden Racing Team. And that was um, how we met. 
and and given his relationships with Rockstar Energy and, and quite a few of the energy drink brands, that's where we started to pick up a lot of our work, AME management, and we slowly grew from a, I guess, an events business and athlete sort of management business. We then expanded into a video production business, um, and we continue to expand working with with supercars brands and and probably the the biggest TV series was we started V8 Life. Um, and produced that whole TV series, which we put on seven. Um, and that was, I believe, in 2014. And then we secured um, with Fox Sports Supercars Life from 2015 onwards. And we've uh, successfully run seven straight seasons of Supercars Life on Fox Sports, um, supported with obviously Supercars digital content and, and social media. So that's that's where we started. And, and when Adam and I created the Ozx Open, which was in 2015, um, which was an international exhibition Supercross event, AME Management did everything for that event, all the marketing, the PR communications, the, um, the digital content, the video production, and then at the events it also serviced all of the event management requirements. So for Ozx Open, to give you perspective, we'd have up to 200 contractors involved with that event. Um, and we did four years in Sydney and then one year in Melbourne, in Marvel Stadium in 2019. The Ozx Open was um, the largest event of, of its kind ever in, in Australia or the su- Southern Hemisphere. It had 35,000 fans. It was big, su- big success. And then in 2018 and 2019, we also ran an international event, the SX Open Auckland, um, both events sponsored by Monster Energy in, uh, in New Zealand. So we had two events in 18 and 19 in New Zealand and obviously um, five very successful events in Australia. And, and obviously prior to the pandemic, that was um, what we were doing year in, year out. And uh, we always had ambitions to expand events in the Asia-Pacific region. And we've been working with Tony Cochran, who was our chairman for, um, for several years at the time. He, he became our chairman in 2017. And uh, we've been working on Asia-Pacific expansion and this whole opportunity for the World Supercross Championship and the rights and the business with Essex Global came about um, last year, actually, when Feld um, Motorsports, the promoter that was promoting the current World Supercross Championship, actually relinquished their rights with the FIM. The FIM have had a, a number of changes this year. You with the World Supercross and also the uh, Speedway Grand Prix changing event managers as well so they're looking for these new ideas and and new promoters to take their sports to the next level yeah and i think um in this obviously situation we're very lucky that the pandemic has allowed us to form a new business and we're a new business coming out the back of the pandemic um or i'm sure we all hope it's the end of the pandemic anyway um, so we've got an incredible financial partner, one that we're announcing in the next week that has international, you know, strategic and financial support for us, which will be immense for the next, you know, 10 years or more. And we've secured the rights for the FIM for at least the next 10 years, so up, up to 20 years. Um, but it's all come out of the pandemic. So Feld actually needed to cut costs and and in, in their situation financially, they didn't renew with the FIM due to financial reasons. So it's um, it's been, you know, probably quite difficult and devastating for a lot of promoters, particularly in the music industry around the world, um, and somewhat very exciting for us and a, and a new business opportunity for us to 
to take Supercross, which in its history has not really had a, a legitimate global uh, world championship. So it's really, really exciting to actually take Supercross to new countries and new cities around the world. And we're really excited. And, and the board of directors that we have with us, the leadership team that we have is arguably some of the best um, and most experienced in motorsport um, internationally. Well, last week on the show, we were talking to Neville Wilkinson about the NASCAR race at the Coliseum. And I got thinking, who do I know that's ever put on a, a stadium race like that and the logistics of it? And of course, I remembered talking to you about the work you had to do for Etihad. Can you talk us through the logistics of Etihad and how you were able to put that Supercross event together and now how you're going to do that worldwide? Yeah, thank you. So I, I guess to give you a bit of an overview of the leadership board, so Adam Bailey, obviously my, my partner in AME and partner in our um, events business is, is joining as a, a managing director of motorsport and I'm, I'm joining as managing director of commercial. Um, but Tony Cochran, um, obviously from his background, as you would know, you know, intricately comes on board as our president um, and, and that's really exciting because Tony probably hasn't been to this length um, committed to anything since his time with supercars. He's, he's obviously still continuing his role with the Gold Coast Suns, but it's a, it's a really exciting opportunity for us to have Tony involved and, and you know, close to full-time commitment from him um, year-round, which is really exciting. And then we've got another um, executive director, Tom Potter, who's the CEO of Rush Sports, and he's been involved in over $700 million of, of sponsorship and, and partnership deals in the Formula One, Formula E, and IndyCar properties, so has an incredible international commercial background and network. Um, he's got fantastic, uh, you know, motorsports and, and commercial networks in Formula One and all, all motorsports internationally, so that's really exciting to help us um, take this sport, you know, true global. And then we've also got Tavo Helmond, one of our other non-executive directors out of the Americas. So he'll be based in North America and he was the original founder of the Circuit of the Americas and, and secured the Formula One to the USA, uh, working with Bernie Eccleston directly and then also helped set up the Mexican Grand Prix and I know has also been advising um, the Miami Formula One uh, Grand Prix, which which launches this year in, in May, I believe. So um, he's incredibly connected in Formula One circles, especially in, in North and South America, and he'll be helping us with events and promoters and relationships um, in the Americas. And, and Tom has been very influential and very helpful, not only for securing our financial partner that he introduced and, and got the support for us and the backing and investment to the capital to, to do SX Global and take this championship around the world. But um, Tom Potter's also been helping us with promoters and, and um, venues and obviously introductions with government in, in anywhere from, from Europe to the Middle East to Asia as well, which is uh, really exciting. The logistics of setting up these circuits around the world have you have you got a calendar yet have you got countries signed up so we're we're looking this year um to commence outside of the american motocross and the american supercross championships so we're um likely to either start in the second week of september or the first weekend of october i believe it's october 1st um and we'll do a five round championship this year for the world supercross championship and then Next year, it'll it'll expand into a 10-round championship. So we're looking this year to have 
an event in in every continent we can, or, or one um, obviously race in each continent. So we will be in either both North and South America, or, or one of of those two. So we're just working through that as we speak. We'll definitely be in Europe. We'll definitely have an event in Asia, an event likely in the Middle East, and and one in Australia, New Zealand. That's what we're working on this year, and then we'll expand to ten rounds, um, and obviously expand in further cities um, around the world. But we will be in in really premium city venues. So the beauty of Supercross is that it can be in world class, you know, stadium that hosts NFL or host um, EPL soccer or host you know, rugby league or can even host cricket or AFL, to be honest. Like the sport of Supercross can race in, in venues um, that service all those sports, whether a rectangle or a, a, an oval football um, ground. So uh, the, an example, obviously, in Marvel Stadium, we we had immense um, work there because particularly it was a turf uh, pitch. So what we have to do is make sure that we can build the track um, obviously cover the cover the grass board uh, bring in over 6,000 tons to give you perspective uh, ideally less than 72 hours and we'll we'll look to do that all around the world but what was very uh, intricate and challenging with Melbourne um, was the fact that we had to underpin both car parks beneath the um, the pitch in in Marvel Stadium and and that was an immense amount of work that was I think yes, 1,780 um, different uh, points where we had to prop and and that was obviously supported with railway sleepers and and acro props underneath the venue that that took uh, a week to set up and close to a week to pull down. So it was an incredible amount of work in Marvel Stadium and and a a massive operational cost. I mean, the operational cost to to host an event at Marvel Stadium just for the underpinning and turf um, protection and everything is exceeds over eight hundred thousand dollars. So it's a, a really expensive exercise, and um, that was just one of the challenges that we had to overcome. But in a lot of venues around the world, where we're speaking to as an example, Legion Stadium, the NFL venue in Las Vegas, um, that is a very unique venue that actually has a, a pitch and grass pitch that can can be removed. It can go out of the, the venue and you can then roll it back in. I believe it does it in, in less than 12 hours. It's a very impressive um, approach. But, yeah, we'll be looking at venues like that all around the world and in places like Paris, um, Singapore or Dubai, um, even in Indonesia and Jakarta, there's a, a brand-new venue that's opening up this month that's over, cost over $400 million. And um, that venue particularly is the second largest indoor venue in the world after the AT&T Stadium in the USA. So there's incredible um, stadiums being built or, or, you know, opening up around the world. I mean, even Japan's a, a classic example after the Olympics. Uh, it's it's opening up incredible opportunities for us to take Supercross to new cities and new stadia around the world. And um, we're obviously, you know, going to be working with governments and working with promoters and and looking to achieve that. But then, yeah, the logistical elements that you're referring to, Craig, are, are immense and probably unique to every every venue and every location we look to go to. Um, Ryan, maybe we could just talk about Supercross itself and talk about maybe who are the stars, who are the ones who we're going to look at. Uh, you know, there, I assume there must be some Australians in there. Um, 
Uh, who are the ones that, that the names are going to be coming up on the boards uh, big time? Yeah, sure. So um, the the World Championship has, has had a history in the USA um, for, for over 20 years. So predominantly Supercross has always raced in the USA. So the AMA Supercross Championship is currently racing now. It races from the start of January and races to the start of May. It's 17 rounds, um, generally held in about 18 weeks. And the, the current world champion is Cooper Webb. And then the, the leader in the AMA championship now is uh, Eli Tomac. He's also been a, a world champion in previous years in, in that category in the USA. Um, Jason Anderson just won on the weekend. He's a 2018 world champion. Both Cooper Webb and, and Jason Anderson have raced at our Ozix Open events on multiple occasions. So we've generally brought out some of the, the world championships to race our events. Chad Reed, you would have heard of, was obviously one of Australia's best for many years and, and a multi-world champion. He's um, currently retired from the, from the sport, but there's two um, Australians. They're actually brothers, Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence, and they're racing in the AMA championship in the 250 class. Um, they're both with the factory Honda team in the USA, and they're probably Australia's next be- best thing at the moment. We've got incredible riders um, as well, like Luke Cloud is a, an Australian champion recently that races for the factory Yamaha team in Australia, Craig Dak Racing. But there's, um, yeah, there's there's the two Australians, the Lawrence brothers, that are they're arguably going to be our next world champions, and they're incredibly popular now. They've already both got. I think 300 and over 400,000 followers just on Instagram alone. So they're starting to really um, explode on, on the world scene in Supercross. Um, so, yeah, there's there's incredible athletes. I know Cooper Webb is an example. The, the current world champion is, is, in Daniel Ricciardo's eyes, one of the most um, phenomenal athletes in the world. Uh, Dan Ricciardo respects these supercross athletes just as much as he probably does Max Verstappen, to be honest, like as far as their, their talent, their elite fitness, and also their, you know, their fearlessness um, is incredible. And I know Jack Miller shares the same views and uh, Mark Marquez, because these, these MotoGP riders ride motocross in the off season. It's generally what causes a lot of their injuries, to be honest. So the MotoGP riders respect and appreciate how, how difficult, Supercross is, and and to clarify, the sport of Supercross is um, a purpose-built track inside Stadia. So motocross is generally raced in permanent tracks, um, in permanent venues that are generally in regional locations, generally where there's a lot of land. Um, Supercross is is purpose-built tracks built in in a temporary sort of setup inside Stadia. So it's it's purpose-built for entertainment. And that's what is exciting about the sport because we can combine it with music, um, production, pyrotechnics and freestyle motocross, other amazing entertainment and really build a a fantastic new sport that is really entertaining for fans. And obviously with Tony Cochran at the helm, that's how he he built a very successful Supercars Championship. It was was about building entertainment and, and a weekend around the sport, not necessarily just building racing and, and not having um, music or entertainment to appeal to the broader audiences. So it's really exciting what we can do with Supercross and we can do anything we want really. And, and the Super Bowl is a, a classic example at halftime. Just just yesterday we can see what the pinnacle of uh, a live sort of halftime performance is. Well, we have obviously ambitions to, to treat Supercross the same and bring music and entertainment in 
in the intermission and in the break to really excite fans and, and attract new new audiences to the sport. Interesting you mentioned Tony, and obviously we had talked about the Coliseum event with NASCAR held. Indoor events are a lot less risky for weather than outdoor events. Is there a way that supercars, in your opinion and experience, could have a stadium event? Um, I, I, I think, like, I actually, I've been to the Coliseum and, and I was quite amazed that they, they got that, that track done like they did. Um, I know it was a, a huge success for them and, and you know, a fantastic exhibition event that, that really appealed to new audiences. Um, and I, I know that there was um, some, you know, very, very clever people from a marketing point of view. I know Lupo as an example, um, used to run marketing for the X Games and, and that X Games is a action sports, obviously, event. It's very similar in following to what Supercross is and, and she was the lead uh, acting as a general manager of marketing for NASCAR for that Coliseum event um, and, you know, she did an incredible job to to successfully hold that event and, and sell the tickets like they did. But as far as supercars and in stadia, I, I can't, can't really on off the top of my head think of a, a venue that's applicable. I think, you know, Supercars has done really well building street circuits in the middle of cities and MotoGP, you know, obviously can't do that due to safety reasons. So we feel like Supercross has an advantage that it can be in stadia around the world. And I think NASCAR, given obviously the way they conducted that event, is probably the closest to doing that given it can run in a in a short over like that. But I don't see the opportunity with supercars becoming like that other than, you know, maybe building a bit more of a Coliseum-like feel at Ipswich, for example, that, um, you know, maybe, you know, Tony Quinn's going to build a really large infrastructure and lighting and, and turn that into a an opportunity for, a, a, you know, as as much of a stadium-like feel as possible. But that, that's probably the one that comes to mind immediately. I'm, I'm sure you you both have uh, your own opinions as well, gents. Mm, indeed. And uh, Ryan, it's uh, great to catch up with you. With what you're doing and the Supercross, we see supercars really is a television sport. It's about the television money. Supercross traditionally is more that American style of it's a promoter, it's tickets, bums on seats. Does going to the global stage mean you've got to reset the balance between people in the stadium and television revenue? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for us, um, we don't see, be, be given the sport, it hasn't been in as many international markets. You know, it's it's been televised in international markets, but the the events haven't been in enough international markets to create a really strong awareness. We've got a, a massive educational um, process ahead of us for the World Supercross Championships, so that's why we will be making sure that it won't be just Supercross and the world's best appealing in you know to to the audiences in in respective markets it will also be elements like music and other other entertainment that attracts kids and families and broad audiences to come to the events we know supercross actually attracts one of the youngest audiences in australians australian sport it's been um, an average of 35 years of age for our audience over many years so we know supercross does the same in the u.s it has a very young average audience so it is appealing it it's a great combination of motorsport and action sports and it is very appealing to those younger audiences. But from our perspective, we need to be 
very innovative. We need to have um, new broadcast elements like live onboard cameras that have never been achieved with Supercross, and we need um, you know radio communications between the riders and teams, which doesn't currently happen in Supercross. So we need to come up with new innovations for broadcasts that are going to appeal to viewers at home. But then in the stadia, we need to make sure that the experience for, for fans is electric and you don't necessarily need to be a hardcore Supercross fan to be captivated by these riders, by the by the jumps, by the energy of the racing and and um, also ultimately by the start. Supercross is unique. It's It's like a horse racing event where the riders line up in their respective gates and they're all on the same line racing into that first turn and anyone can come out of that first turn in front and, and lead the race. So it's an exciting sport. It's definitely got its unique advantages, but we're going to leverage everything we possibly can from you know an innovation point of view, a broadcast experience point of view, as well as entertainment, music and other elements like freestyle motocross and, and elements that appeal to families that are going to broaden broaden the appeal and audience well it's great having you on the show and just as an aside uh, before tony wraps up here don't let tony cochran tell you that he started music acts at motor racing venues i was scouring the papers and in 1927 at maroubra speedway under the uh, headline of the uh, riders who were taking on the track the australian brass band was also a featured act at the event so music at motor racing has been going on since at least the 20 the 1920s yes and and so it should so so it should gents i i, I believe you know i mean we're we're becoming and particularly even after the pandemic we're we're obviously looking forward to going to events to to probably be with our friends and family and celebrate being out and about and i think that's where sport's heading so it's much more than just you know sitting on the couch at home these days you've got to be going to an event and looking for an experience and going with your mates or your family and having a great time and um i think the the sports that do that correctly are going to be successful and the ones that don't innovate and, and don't have music and entertainment are, are potentially um, going to see, you know, audiences um, slow down. Ryan Sanderson of uh, a number of different uh, hats you wear, FX Global and AME Management, um, the ones that our listeners will probably know best will be the Inside Line series, and I'm sure we'll all uh, sit back and keep on enjoying them, but also look forward to getting our eyes on your new venture and the way in which FX Global will... Uh, take to the world. So thank you for joining us on Inside Supercast and giving us this insight into your world. It's been wonderful to uh, hear in which way it's expanding and certainly we look forward to uh, watching it develop in the years ahead. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jensen and Craig and Tony. Appreciate you reaching out and, and congratulations on everything you guys are achieving, you know, and the audience that you have following this week in, week out. So congratulations and all the best for this year. Thank you, mate. And we'll look forward to catching up with you in the near future at a V8 meeting near us. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.